welcome to the Vital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go! Today I have Gabrielle Majid on the show from Stronger Than Stigma and we really dive into mental health and Gabrielle's amazing mission to change the stigma surrounding this. So Gabrielle is a millennial mental health strategist and experienced designer, a community builder and founder and CEO of Stronger Than Stigma. It's incredible what Gabrielle's doing and they're really standing by wanting to live in a world without stigma where asking for help is considered a strength and not a weakness. And their goal is to make this a universal truth. There is strength in asking for help, so we need to do it. So we hope you enjoy this amazing conversation surrounding mental health and the changes that need to happen and are happening. Enjoy. Gabrielle, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. So we are talking about mental health, which is a massive topic today, and your beautiful organisation, Stronger Than Stigma. So I am so excited to dive into this topic with you and explore it with you and and really breaking the stigma. And that's where I think I love the idea of what you've created and founded and, and, and moving forward with. So I want to start first by... What, what does Stronger Than Stigma mean to you? Where did that name come from? Sure. Um, so as somebody who personally struggles with anxiety and depression and um, whose first experience happened, you know, in my young life, I was 17, I was a junior in high school. Um, it really threw me for a loop and just opened my eyes to something that I wasn't even aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because they don't educate you in school about mental health or signs and symptoms or whatnot. So when something is just off, you have no idea where to turn. Um, and to that point, I, I just, it was the most isolating experience that I had ever gone through. Um, I'm an only child and my parents are amazing and helped me get the professional help that I needed. Um, but it was treated like a family secret and and they did that to protect me you know a, a doctor had at one time said you know oh it might just be a phase she might grow out of it whatever um you know so to protect my privacy and my story and how i was going to um move through the world after the episode had passed um you know it was it was it was isolating and it, and it was this um, very scary time in my life. And so I said to myself, I, I always said, you know, if I live through this, I have to make sure that nobody else feels the way that I do. And that's the core, you know, mission that really like sets my heart on fire is like, I, I, I just, it's my purpose to make sure that nobody has an isolating experience like that. And so I will break down any wall or any barrier for anybody else coming behind me or, you know, alongside me because I know what that pain feels like firsthand and it's so unnecessary. 
because so many people struggle and you're not the only one. And that's, that's the guiding message of stronger than stigma. It's like, we are stronger than whatever box people want to put us into. Um, you know, while we might be shaped by our experiences, they make us stronger. That's how we build resilience. And, um, you know, there's a lot of good that can come out of a struggle such as one with your mental health and, and dealing with something difficult that you've overcome. Um, so yes, you know, stronger than stigma to me means, you know, I've been there and I want to help people through it, but also we've got a, we've got an obstacle and a hurdle that we all need to jump and, uh, we're the movement that really wants to conquer that. Yeah. And I think it's so necessary. And like you say, it's, it's experienced on, multiple different levels with so many people on on a daily basis and they may not even recognize what that is or what that what that you know we're not taught what those symptoms are as such you know I hate to say symptoms but you know those feelings behind what this is is it just because something's happened or is it because I'm actually feeling this way is there something wrong with me is there all these questions that like you say creates this isolation and it really is not necessary where there's support and and there's binding together and there's community and you know so we can actually give the the necessary means for people to feel supported and that's what i love about what you're doing so (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much (laughs) you know from my perspective i I deal with the, the the physical health of the body a lot you know so the physiology mental health always comes into it though and i find there's a huge link and it's just a book i'm reading at the moment letting go and that really and i and i believe it so heartedly and even aspects of louise hay when you have emotions bringing back into the body you've got these physical um, signs and symptoms from dealing with certain emotions the suppression of emotions and i really like the idea of that because i see a lot of this come through physical ailments in certain areas that are unheard of or feeling unheard which is in the throat so there's certain you know parts of the body that the emotions then become stuck or stagnate and that's for me fascinating but there's not enough emphasis on how to deal with that or how to get through that or how to cope with that and be supported so we'll talk through all of that today which is exciting yeah sure yeah and it's it's wild too um you know you see a lot of pro mental health um messaging out there right now that's like you know mental health is just as important as physical health blah 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 and i you know i appreciate it but at the same time you know i once heard a doctor speak at one of our events and he just nailed it so perfectly because he's like your brain is an organ thus your mental health is physical health so it's not just as important it is equally important it is the same exact thing um and yeah so and the fact that we're we as a society um you know have okayed any other organ or body part getting hurt or being sick and yet your mind and your brain cannot is a terrible double standard that keeps a lot of people quiet and in pain in a way that they wouldn't be should they trip and fall and have a broken leg. They wouldn't, you know, keep that to themselves. They would reach out and get the help that they needed. Exactly. And it's because it's unseen. 
isn't it? It's, yeah. it's not like it's measurable. Yes, if you if you dive deep into it and you measure the neurotransmitters and if you measure other certain things and if you do scans and if you do all this sort of stuff. But other than that, it's not an obvious broken leg. It's not an obvious you know cut on or an infection. It's it's really something unseen. So a lot of people just it's, it's just it's out of sight, out of mind. Totally, and I think also. Mind. You know, that people, well, that's funny, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, I think that because people can't see it, um, they're, they invalidate it, you know? And, and I see this a lot. Um, we do a lot of work in like multicultural communities and, you know, veteran communities, communities where there's a, a history of, um, you know, just toughing your way through it and, uh -huh. and not attending to behavioral, mental, emotional well-being. It's just, you know, considered weakness if you're talking about your feelings. Uh -huh. So they suppress things and they do not reach out for help unless really given the opportunity to feel safe. Um, and it's, it's, it's bizarre because of the fact that you can hide it so well. And yeah. so, you know, parents might say to children, there's nothing wrong with you because they can't see a bleeding wound. Exactly. And yet, you know, your child knows that they're struggling. Um, they might not have the words to describe it because again, we're not taught in school. Right. And I, I think it, it's so weird too. Um, you know, I've done work in my own therapy and um, I, I remember getting teased by a therapist because we were supposed to use, um, she wanted me to use feeling words and like feeling statements. So saying like, I'm disappointed that blah, blah happened, or I'm angry that whatever happened. And the way that I was speaking was, was I, I would go like, I feel like something, you know, I, I might be upset, whatever it was. And she teased me because she's like, just because you say the word, you know, feel doesn't mean that it's a feeling word and we would <laughs> laugh about it <laughs> um but it's so weird because you know in doing that she realized that I had a problem like using feeling words like maybe I wasn't sure I could describe and you know I had language to talk about or anecdotes to talk about how I was feeling and then she could draw out like oh disappointment anger whatever um sadness but like to add to my toolbox, she gave me a list of, you know, descriptive feeling words. And I'm, I remember reading through it and being like, this doesn't even sum it up. Like mm -hmm. some of the, the, the feelings were not listed on that page. They were too complicated or too complex to kind of just like pick one and, and be like, oh, I am happy. You know, it's like, it was, um, it was eye opening for me then too, because it was like, we're really, if, th if this is what you do to, to tell a child, like, speak to me with one of these words, <laughs> and then you're training them, it's a very limited vocabulary. Absolutely. So we really don't even have the vocabulary to express how we feel, which is yeah. a real shame. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's these heart, heart feelings, too, because, you know, I, I look, look at a lot of uh, heart math stuff and, and, and looking into the, the breathing and the heart rhythms, which I find fascinating in itself. 
but you, you can't again vocabularize the the feelings that come from that connection or those connections or the, or the feeling you get within your body when you're working through some of those things like there there are no words for that because it's beyond words and and i and i totally get what you're saying there because we we, we can't really grasp completely what we're feeling in words because words are so limited <laughs> very limited yeah wow yeah so give me a well i just want to step back a little bit how how did stronger than stigma come about right at the start i know you've talked spoken through you know the initial part of what the stronger than stigma means to you and how a little bit of your history but what was the point where you went right this needs to happen i'm starting uh, an organization let's go Sure. Um, so let's see. I first struggled when I was 17, high school, very isolating. I didn't start owning my story until I was on my own at college. Mm-hmm. And at that point, um, I was, I guess I was coming into my own. I was deciding, you know, what was going to be part of my story, what I was, you know, proud of, what I was ashamed of, whatever. And, um, They had anxiety and depression support groups on campus and it was, you know, facilitated by the Disability Resource Center. So even, you know, calling something that I I don't think people are going to walk through those doors, right? Yeah. So very stigmatizing. Um, But... I, you know, the, I had had a connection with the dean at preview and he said, please just give us a chance. Come, come to the school. We've really put a lot of uh, resources behind this um, facility and, you know, there's all these support groups and whatnot. So I went and that was the first time, you know, in my life and in my struggles that I had an opportunity to sit across from people my own age in my own, you know, um, realm of life experience who, you know, looked like me and were cool and were the kind of people that I would want to be friends with who had also struggled and been down the same path. I had never been able to compare notes with anybody before. And so for me, it was life changing because I was finally able to feel the feeling of not being alone. You know, I, doctors and therapists had told me, you know, you're one-on-one when, when you're um, in treatment like that. And so I had been told, you know, you're not alone. One in four people struggle with this. That's, you know, X amount of millions of people in the United States and, you know, even more than that globally. But those numbers don't mean anything if you can't be like, oh, it's Pete and Kelly down the street. You know, then that means something. Um Absolutely. Yeah. And so that feeling was just so empowering to me. And I joke that I became like the unofficial ambassador of the support groups. Um, Because, you know, anytime I met somebody in class and they opened up and they shared, I was like, you got to come with me. This is great. Like, you'll feel so good after you come. Um, And that was that was all well and good. my sophomore year, or I guess the end of my freshman year, though, there was a very public suicide on our campus. Mm. And I, for whatever, I don't know why it happened that night, but I just so happened to be walking by oh um, with a friend of mine. I didn't see it happen, but 
um, I was there for like the aftermath and there were, you know, police sirens and um, just, it, it was, it was an awful sight. And I remember talking to a police officer and asking him, you know, what, it, what happened? Like, are, are we safe to keep walking? Cause a friend and I were going to pick up her car. Um, and he's like, no, you're, you're safe. You're fine. I can't tell you what happened. You'll read about it on the front page of the paper tomorrow. And I just remember getting goosebumps, um, just knowing what had happened, you know, not, not like it, it was obviously something that I, I, you know, didn't, I, I just, I just knew it was one of those moments where I was like, oh goodness, like, wow, I can't believe that that's what just happened here. And then it turned to, it turned from shock into anger because I didn't know the student and I was really mad that I didn't know the student because I was like, why wasn't he in the support groups with me? Did he not know that there were free resources available to him on campus or was he too ashamed and embarrassed to reach out for help? Mm. And all of those things centered around stigma. Mm. And I was angry enough basically to do something about it. I'm like the campus let us down because this shouldn't have happened. And the only good that can come of this is that we can keep other people alive by telling them it doesn't have to get to this point. Mm. There, there's a chance for you and we're here and we're here to help and people do heal. Um, and so I pitched just like a, a campus wide campaign to the Dean um, and he loved it, but he wasn't able to back it just, you know, for whatever reason, resources on campus or whatever. And I remember him saying to me, you know, keep this in your back pocket, but for right now, like join something pre-existing and make change from the inside. Mm. And those words were kind of like burned in my brain um, because it was a no and the system wasn't working. And I did, you know, I was a good student. I was a good girl. You know, I did what he asked of me. I tried to run for a disability seat in the, you know, student government body. Um, But I wasn't elected. And I wasn't just going to sit by and and let this terrible thing happen to somebody else. Mm. Um, You know, and I just, I got very serious about business plans and, I knew that I didn't know about starting a nonprofit. I just knew, you know, oh, if you want to do good for the world, you you start a nonprofit. Like, you know, like I, I knew very basic things. And so I started signing up for seminars and, um, you know, I declared a minor in nonprofit leadership. And I just, everything in my education started like shaping this like entity. And I, you know, on on like after I'd finished my schoolwork and on weekends, I was registering, you know, a, a not-for-profit corporation in the state of Florida. And I was applying for, you know, a uh, tax exemption status. And, and it was, I was just um, so passionate. And I had one of those, like this, the train cannot be stopped kind of, um, you know, motivations and momentum behind it that, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's where we started. So we were college students. I, this was right before my 21st birthday and we've wow. been at it now. It'll be eight years in August. Oh my goodness. That's incredible. Yeah. That's amazing. 
Thank wow. you. Wow. Eight years. Holy moly. I don't know where to start <laughs> with picking apart all that. I've been taken to yeah. right. Oh my goodness. Well, let's... I've learned a lot along the way. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And I just from personal experience, starting a starting a nonprofit here, it's 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 very different. <laughs> You learn a lot as you go along. There's nowhere else to really learn it from other than doing it. So, wow. So true. Now, first of all, um, it, there's so much to that. I, I've got a few questions that I wanted to ask. So how at the moment, like give me a bit of an example of how the organisation runs and we'll sort of go from there. You know, where, where are the sort of key um, action points that you look at? What, what, you know, where are you running certain things? How are you getting people in? All that sort of stuff. Like, I guess it comes from, you know, how are you making in, in your organisation now in Stronger Than Stigma the changes that you see, you know, foresee making that ripple effect across the world? Sure. Um, so it's, it's kind of funny, but the organisation aged along with us. Um, as we, you know, graduated college, we recognized that things don't, you know, get better when you're, when you're off a college campus. Like, and in fact, as a young professional, a lot of times you're moving to a new place. You don't have friends there. You know, you can't really talk about these issues in the workplace. You have to navigate insurance. There's no, like, free counseling center. The barriers kind of stack up against you, yeah. um, you know, even worse. And so we started to really, um, you know, allow our focus to shift on into that transitional period. Like, what is it like to go from being a student to entering the real world? And how can we bridge that gap? Um, you know, so we still have a student organization that's, I guess it's going to be in its eighth generation of student leadership now come August. Um, and we, that's at the University of Florida in Gainesville, because that's where we started. Um, but headquarters shifted to Jacksonville when I, you know, moved home to, to run the operation. Um, and we really just doubled down on how do we serve the young professional community of Jacksonville. Mm. And, you know, the answer was we create community so that people can meet like-minded people and, um, you know, we organize events and we don't try and do, you know, your average dry seminar panel discussion. We're trying to really engage. Yeah. We're trying to make things fun to the point where um, somebody who might not have identified with the topic of mental health will come because the event sounds like fun. So, you know, our tone is, is, we lead with humor and irreverence, you know, we're like, we're, we're all about like, we've been there, we've done that. Let's laugh about it. And so one of our really cool programs was uh, we launched a comedy tour in uh, the fall of 2018. And we, um, a, a professional comedian out of LA that I know from college um, agreed to go on the road with me. And we did, you know, 12 shows in six states in 25 days. So it was just like one thing after the next. Yeah, it was really cool. And we called it the Nobody's Happy Comedy Tour. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we were just like, uh, the whole point is to reach people where they're at. And yeah, that's the truth. You're not, nobody's happy all the time. Um, 
so that, you know that was when I, when I first saw all, all of your your posts and everything that really made my heart sing that that is your tone you know that having fun and I so you know, not sympathize but I so value that because I love to portray health in any shape or form with fun and that really gives people a different spin on on any condition on any support you know and, and I love it I love that you did a comedy tour it's so cool <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah no I mean Listen, every public service announcement wants to scare you and shock you and tell you these awful statistics. And, you know, that'll keep you up at night. And you already have anxiety or whatever it is that you're struggling with. Like, you don't need help. You already got it, yeah. Yeah, you don't need help not sleeping. That's a, a, you know, check that (laughs) off the list. You have that skill. Um, So... We just we want to approach it from a completely different angle and one where uh, people can digest it and they can feel like they've found home with us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so everything we do, we try and we try and innovate. Like our our next big program was in 2019. We launched our. The, it's actually the first ever pop-up shop around mental health awareness. Wow. So it was called The Living Room, and it was part interactive art installation, part performance venue, and part literal living room with couches and chairs, you know, so that people could be inspired by what was on the wall and then just sit down and chat. And it could be real talk over small talk was what we said. Wow. Um, and it was a transformational experience. Like, I cannot even put into words um, what I saw, you know, unfold in that space and how many stories, you know, I was a witness to because people just walked in and shared. They'd never had this opportunity where a space made them feel welcome and was beautiful and they had a purpose to be there and they had, you know, smiling faces who, you know, got it you know they just understood them and and they got into it and they you started hearing people just open up in a way that was so beautiful um and we were just in the middle of downtown Jacksonville so like in the heart of the city and I I just I wouldn't have traded that experience for the world and it was so successful here that our dream is to scale it and take it to cities and countries, you know, around the world. Um, it's just, it's very unique. And, yeah. you know, we were planning to do round two in Jacksonville in 2020. And then obviously the pandemic struck yeah. and had other plans for us. So we completely pivoted to being online mm. and we launched a 31 day virtual event marathon last May for mental health awareness month. So every single day there was some sort of programming and that's like how we ran the pop-up too. Um, because in that performance space, we were programming the heck out of it. Um, so we couldn't gather like in the living room, but we could gather people in their own living rooms respectively. And that was our, our spin. Um, but that allowed us to reach a global audience. And so, you know, overnight, essentially, like by the end of the month, we, we had touched 50,000 people globally, which was just like, holy cow. Yeah. But, and I bet now if we went back and counted video views a year later, it's, 
it's got to be far larger than that. So the content lives and it's free and accessible. And um, we did that on purpose. We knew people were struggling and that the pandemic was, um, you know, and it is, it's just an unprecedented, scary thing to be living through and coping with. And there's no real, nobody's been through this before, unless they were around in the 1900s for the Spanish flu. Nobody's a pandemic expert. So we're all just feeling around in the dark and, um, you know, waiting for it to pass and a new sense of normal to emerge, but we don't know what that's going to be like. So no, no. And the the online environment is brilliant and everything, you know, we're so lucky that we actually have that versus complete isolation with no, no internet and no, you know, online environments that we can build. But from, from that, how have you seen changes from the COVID environment? That's, you know, the, the pandemic, how has that changed what you've seen in people and mental health? I've seen a dramatic increase in the number of people who now recognize that mental health is important Mm. and are willing to open up and share in a way that it just wasn't happening before. Like when we had the space, Mm. people could come in and become inspired and get into it and, you know, some magic would happen. But when you didn't, when we didn't have the space, you know, and then we were functioning in real life, um, the, uh, the marketing for the event had to be strong enough to pull people in through the doors. You know, there was, there was no storefront to just wander into, like people had to intentionally come. And then online, um, because like social media seems to be ever present and that it's not going away, you kind of bump into us that way too. And there weren't so many mental health groups activating online in the way that we were last year where it was just sheer quantity and quality. Um, but you know, like day after day and, and different times to hit different time zones. So we were really saturating the market and, um, and everything was accessible because it was free. So we ran into people who were just searching Eventbrite, looking for ways to connect. Uh, You know, they were sitting at home and twiddling their thumbs and trying to, you know, do their best to follow lockdown protocol and they're scared out of their minds and they haven't seen their friends and family in weeks and months. And there we were. Um, So it's been... um, Honestly, when I stop to think about it, we still run a weekly, we call it an unmeetup. And so every week people can sign on on, you know, Monday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern time mm-hmm. um, and just hang out in a space where nobody's going to judge them and they can share or not share or we can talk about our favorite cereal. Like the conversation really flows and it's a space where they can do that, you know, and, and it's so cool. Like we just had this, I get, I keep forgetting today's Tuesday. So <laughs> yesterday was Monday. We just had it yesterday. And again, we have a global audience, you know, we have, uh, we have friends now cause they've, they've come enough where it's like, they're our tribe. <laughs> there are people. So, uh, you know, we have somebody from Canada and then across the country in LA and Nebraska and somebody will stay up 
really, really late and log in from London. We love her. Um, you know, so just like all over the States um, and, you know, the UK and whatever. I wish it was a good time for, well, I guess if people are morning people in, in Australia, they could join for sure. But um, a tour, a comedy tour here, that would be incredible. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Sign me up. <laughs> wow. That, I, I love also how, um, because I find that the, the availability of people finding what they want or what they need is, is tricky because, again, there is a lot out there at the moment, but maybe not, you know, exactly what they're needing to see with the social medias, with this, you know, you can get really stuck down into the, 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 the unhealthy, you know, aspects of social media then that saturation that you're putting out there, it's the only way to go, hello, hello. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is what you need to be seeing, not all the other stuff. Let's go. Uh, because, yeah, that, that's then fueling, obviously, the, the inner conflict of, of what they're experiencing already. So, yeah, I think that's the only way to do it. And then, obviously, the, the, the tours and everything, amazing. It's just incredible what you're doing. I just wanted to come into a bit of a different side note here because I just wanted to cover it for some of my audience. Now, I don't know, you know, tell me if you don't want to talk about this or if there is no knowledge on it, but it's very, you know, when you go to a doctor, a GP, or you go to a psychiatrist or you go to a psychologist and there is a mental health issue, medication is always the first not first, but it's one of the steps that they, they use and take. Now, what's your, what's your opinion on medication and mental health? I would love to find out what you think. Sure. Yeah. So I'm not a clinician and I do not pretend to be, you know, somebody who's a professional in the sense of being able to treat and diagnose mental health issues. And sometimes it's funny because people will come to me and share their experience and then say, you know, well, what do you think? Like, what, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, an, I'm a mental health advocate. I'm a mental health strategist. I'm an experienced designer. Like, I, I have other titles that make me a professional in this space mm -hmm. and that are my strengths. But I know that, you know, clinical is not one of them. That being said, being um, somebody who has sought treatment myself, and the way that I run Stronger Than Stigma is I do not care what helps you heal or live another day. Mm -hmm. I just need you to recognize that professional help is necessary. Yeah. So, um, you know, talking to me is, is great. I don't, I don't necessarily say to people like, oh, I, you know, I, there's that uh, Charlie Brown um, image that comes to mind, right? I forget if it's like Lucy, I forget who it is that sets up the lemonade stand and says like psychiatric help, five cents. Um, <laughs> but I always think of that and I'm like, oh, I, I really, I can't be that person because I'm not trained and it, and it does drain me. So I have to protect my energy that way. Absolutely. Um, but our philosophy is whatever it is that helps you, you should do. And you should, the first step should be talking to somebody with that trained ear. I always send people to a therapist first mm -hmm. because a lot of times you just need somebody who's listening, yeah. who's, who's able to, you know, decode what you're thinking and feeling and kind of, you know, unravel that twisted yarn ball and kind of give it back to you and say like, 
hey, this is what I think you're struggling with. And, and then you can have an understanding and, and make a decision. And a lot of times, you know, therapists work in the field so long that they'll, they'll say to somebody, hey, you know, I'm happy to work with you on this, but I think that you should also go see a psychiatrist and maybe medicine would be a good route for you. Mm. Um, but I leave that up, the, up to the discretion of, of that clinician because that's, you know, that's their job. Exactly. And I think, I think that, um, you know, wonders can be done with just a simple, you know, counselor, you know, therapist, patient relationship. And then I do think that there are life-saving pharmaceuticals out there, you know, and I think that there's a, an added stigma in taking medicine because we've been told, you know, oh, it's a happy pill or, you know, people who take meds are crazy or whatever, whatever it is that we say. But, you know, to counter that point, it's like if you have diabetes, you take insulin. If you have a headache, you might take Motrin or ibuprofen, whatever. Mm. Um, and it should be no different. And as somebody, you know, who has struggled and gone through periods of time where, you know, meditation and yoga and balanced diet and sleep and all of the things that I do to, to maintain wellness just weren't good enough, I have relied on pharmaceuticals and they have gotten me through very tough periods of time that I, you know, I couldn't have done it. I, I don't know. I, I just, I think it's all part of um, like that magic potion that kind of gets all stirred up and you never know, like, was it the long walk on the beach or was it, you know, the drug or was it whatever, but I feel better now. Um, and so I want that for everybody. Yes. And if it's, you know, taking medicine or just talking to somebody like whatever, or howling at the moon, I don't care. Like whatever it is that you need to do to feel better. I'm, I'm pro that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And that's why I sort of wanted to ask your opinion on it in a sense where, where, where's the realm look like for you? Cause there are a lot of people out there, like you said, there's a stigma. Uh, and I, I, I try as hard as I can to keep an open mind for as many things as possible. And with my experience, those medications can be that, that next step for, or that, that step over, that, that barrier change where people feel like I can, I can actually now look after myself because I'm, I'm, I'm on a medication that helps support me go and do that. Without that, they weren't even able to step through that door and even be able to start looking after themselves and getting the proper sleep and going for the walks and going out in public and all these sorts of things that really create that community and wellness, like you say, across the whole body. So I, 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 I totally agree with you. And there's many people who are against it, but you know, I look at why would you be against it? And it has to be a suitable medication. It has to be a suitable time. You know, all those sorts of things have to be looked at and other areas of the body and aspects of wellness. But I don't think we should def definitely, that stigma needs to be removed from medications. And I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so glad you said that. That's really, really fantastic. Yeah. And there's so much out there for people for, for coming now, especially through the US. I'm, I'm watching and, and waiting for something to be more pronounced here in terms of treatments with the psychedelic type drugs and, you know, in, in looking at PTSD um, treatments, whether it's the, the, the injection and the nerve and then you've got 
ketamine and all sorts of amazing different things happening all over the place with maps and yeah I'm, I'm excited to see what happens with that and to help to support people with so many different aspects that they can choose to go wow that really really um, you know vibrates with me I can go for that so and then the support so I, I love you said that you said you know first into uh, therapy counseling and a lot can be done in those spaces and then the, the wider community so you know from this point what else do you do you look at for people and recommend and sort of what does the path look like they make contact with you guys they go through you know support networks and community and join with that how do you, how long and how how do you see those sorts of progressions happen with certain people um it's interesting because i there's not like a clear pathway like we're not like a funnel to anything no. um and we're not a resource list either. So people tend to find us at different parts of their journey. Like I have seen, and definitely on campus, a lot of times we were people's first stop. You know, they, people, students were more willing to talk to their peers mm -hmm. than they were to talk to an adult, you know, a, a faculty member, a professor or whatnot. And even though the professors would say, you know, we're here for you, let us know. It's not, um, you know, an adult friendly atmosphere. It's really student centric. It's all about, you know, growing, just getting rid of the training wheels and kind of, you know, figuring things out for yourself. And so Stronger Than Stigma's role was kind of like, being that um, almost that guide on the, the path to wellness because it was like safe for them to walk through the door and say, hey, I haven't been feeling like myself yeah. in a long time and I don't know where to turn. And, you know, I've seen you guys table at different events and, you know, where do I go? And then it was sometimes as simple as saying like, hey, here's the number of the counseling center, like make an appointment and talk to somebody. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, um, I had personal experiences where I would walk people there, you know, and, and um, I don't do that as much now from headquarters in Jacksonville and working with young professionals and whatnot, because I don't know what their insurance situation is like. And it's very difficult um, to find like non-crisis um, like help mm. uh, for free, at least in, in Jacksonville. So like there are places you can go if you are like suicidal, um, you know, a danger to yourself or others or whatnot. And, and, and that's available to you. But if you're just somebody who is recognizing like, Hey, I need to reach out. I don't feel like myself. I'm not, something's wrong that's not where I would send you I wouldn't send a friend to those spaces it could be traumatic um and I wish that there were better options to be like hey go through these doors and there will be friendly faces there to greet you but just the way the American system works it's not always the case so you know we really focus on being that social support system. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we don't do formalized support groups because we're not run by clinicians, but we are there to provide um, community. And that's, that's the, the void that we fill because traditionally 
you have, you know, medical treatment where you're seeing your providers, and then you'll hear about advocacy work in terms of politics where people are pushing through, you know, legislation to help make sure that people are able to get treatment. But then there's this gap of like, where do people hang out (laughs) when they have a mental health issue and they just want to talk about it with somebody who isn't going to judge them for it and can be a friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's, that's the space that we're in. Yeah. Wow. With, firstly, I I want to ask you what, what is on your journey now, you know, the, the, the eight years plus, I would say, of going through all of this, what's been the biggest challenge that you've come across? Um, it's, it's hard to say. I, I, I guess, okay, so funding has always been an issue. Yeah. And I would say that that's probably the beast number one. Um, that I'm constantly just trying to slay, (laughs) like, um, you know, and, and I, as the CEO, like that's my job to bring revenue in and make sure that we're able to function and whatnot. And so that's what keeps me up at night. Um, at the same time, I think a contributing factor to that was the fact that I was 20 when I signed those papers and became, you know, a nonprofit leader. And I don't think that people want to give money to children. You know, I don't think that they, I think that, um, I think it's always better to be underestimated because then I can, you know, prove you wrong and and (laughs) like, oh, you don't want to give me money? Well, watch what I can do for free, you know? But at the same time, um, I think that has undercut us a little bit where, people in prominent positions um, that would be able to donate sizable amounts of money and really help us grow Mm. are very impressed by what we can do in a grassroots nature. And so maybe they feel like they don't have to give because we will still continue, you know, I will, I will blood, sweat and tear it all the way to the finish line. Um, So I, Funding is, I would definitely say, has been the biggest obstacle. And I don't know, um, you know, if the age factor plays into that or, or maybe it's my relationship to the age thing. If I, if I you know, approached things as like, a, you know, I'm just a wee college student. <laughs> I don't know. You know, like, I don't know if it was me feeling insecure about being young yeah. But I'm not as young anymore, and I'm still having the same problems. And um, you know, eight years in, I'm I'm able to say now, no, like unless you have a budget, I'm sorry, but I I can't help you. This issue is too important, mm-hmm. and our work and can, being able to continue to do the work means valuing it, and that translates to the energy around money and. Um, it's very uncomfortable for me to say that because I believe in this work wholeheartedly and I, I never want to say no to anybody. Right. Um, but it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard. I think it's, it's a common thread between a lot of nonprofits and, and, and people and businesses and that aspect of, of, of money and, and how money, you, you need money, you want to do good, 
you know, and, and being a, a business person means that you have to make sacrifices and all sorts of different things surrounding that. But sometimes that can really take away with how we want to help people. And that right. I find also very tricky. You know, I'm not a businesswoman. I'm in this to help people. If I could just hit the ground running and do that and everyone else would take up after the money, that would be fantastic. But it's just right. the way it is. And you have to really put on all these different hats to, to help support what your, your, your passion is and what you really want to do. And money is such a major component for that. So, yeah, I, it, it's... I think also it's our belief systems and like you say, it's, it's, it's breaking through those and learning how to break through those. And I myself are still learning. I can tell you that. <laughs> I think we, are, yeah. we all are um, trying to you know, break through some sort of um, aspect of ourselves that's blocking certain things. So yeah, it's really interesting to see, but I, I completely understand that as well. You know, funding is a huge thing for you mm. and all of your team to, to keep going. Yeah. Oh, I think you're going to just soar, but you know, that's me personally. Oh. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll take all the thoughts and prayers, <laughs> all the good vibes. <laughs> I think you know, from my perspective, if you're doing, if you're doing good work and you're, you're doing, you know, supportive work and you're helping people, how can you not be, supported everywhere else in the world and unless you're blocking something you know that's my my perspective on things so you just keep doing good and keep unblocking your blocks and and just keep you know working through it and maintaining your own wellness and things just come yeah so amazing but i want to um just almost not finish up but i want to just touch base now on if you want to give a personal you know, perspective on this as well, what, what are the, the things that have to be included daily in your life for mental health? And this can be you personally or what you've seen work really well for other people. And I know Stronger Than Stigma is this community beautiful based support network. And that obviously would be a big part of it. But is there anything else that is really important you feel for for daily mental health support i think the number one most important thing is having social support i really do and and obviously i'd love to be part of that for you in terms of providing community through stronger than stigma whether it be online and virtually or in person but beyond that i think that knowing that you have a listening ear somewhere in your circle, whether it's a friend or a family member, somebody that you can turn to when, you know, things aren't all fine and dandy yeah. and that, you know, will just listen to you. Cause a lot of times I think that people, they, they think that they have to fix things. They mm -hmm. think that if somebody comes to them and, and says, you know, I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z that they have to say, oh, well, in order to solve X, Y, Z, do this. And a lot of times it's, it's, it's not that it's just, you know, active listening, staying there silently intent, intently listening to what that person is saying and, and letting them air it so that they're not bottling it up and that it's not being repressed and it's not being turned into whatever negative energy can cause other ailments. Um, so I, I just think that more than anything, knowing that 
you can turn to somebody and, and identifying that person in your head too, so that it's not like waiting to the last minute when, when, you know, it's, it's the last straw, you know, knowing that that person is who you would call mm-hmm. and whether it's the same person you share great happy news with, um, you know, that would be great, but it, identifying somebody who can handle the hard stuff, I think is mm-hmm. the most important thing. Yeah. Um, and you don't necessarily have to check in every day, but I think knowing, you know, deep down in your core that you have that person is the most important thing you can do for your mental health. And that person serves a huge role because they, they know you well and they'll be able to tell you like, Hey, I, something's wrong. You're right. Like, let's go together and, and see what we can do. Or, um, you know, I'm going to support you every step of the way, whatever, whatever it may be. Um, and then beyond that, I think that your general wellness tips, you know, getting enough sleep for your body, uh, making sure you're eating the colors of the rainbow, as my dietitian friend says, you know, and, and eating as um, healthfully and balanced as you can. And, you know, getting out in the sunshine and, you know, moving your body. It's, it's all important. I know it's, you know, stereotypical advice for somebody to say like, oh, you know, just be healthy and you'll be happy. But at the same time, I think that all, I don't think, I know that all of these systems are, are connected. Um, And it's like, uh, it's like a meme I saw once last year. It's like, Make sure to um, hydrate and get enough sunlight because you're basically a house plant with more complicated emotions. <laughs> but it's like so true. <laughs> so true. So true. And I think it's repeated so much is because it, it is the, the basis of what we need, all those things, but we don't get them. And it's just weird that we don't recognize the basic needs of a human community, food sunlight, water, it's just, yeah, Yeah. it baffles me on a daily basis where I think, you know, we just need to concentrate on those things and most of them are free. Yeah, it's it's not that hard to get some sunshine unless you live in Antarctica or places that don't have sun, but (laughs) most places have, you know, a fair bit of sun. So and food and you can always access you know depending on where you are economically but some form of of good food so yeah I I agree with all of that now for people wanting to find you and what you're doing what's the best way and what have you got looking forwards you know what have you got coming up any any big events anything even a couple of years down the track what what are your big dreams and plans what have we got to look forward to sure um so i would say if you would like to connect with me i would love that um social media is the best way to to find us um our handle is at stronger than stigma on instagram and facebook and then on twitter it's at sts underscore together i will tell you that we're not the best tweet people (laughs) tweet users um yeah so follow it if you want but (laughs) i highly recommend the other places (laughs) and you can message us through there um you know or our website is a great way to learn more um 
obviously donations are always appreciated and there's a, a link to do that from our website. So thank you in advance if you're listening and you're inspired to uh, help out. And I, you know, down the road, I, I have high hopes that we'll be traveling, you know, around the world to bring the living room pop up to life and continuing on with our comedy tours and everything, you know, once we can travel again safely and, and really like convene people. Mm. Um, so definitely look out for that. And if you're someone who wants to bring it to, you know, wherever you live, then I'd love to talk to you. And that would be awesome. Um, in terms of what we have coming down the pike right now, mm. I'm very excited uh, to announce that we are inaugural partners on MTV's um, mental health campaign Ooh, for, wow. yes, for Mental Health Action Day on That's May 20th. Thank you. Yes. So along with like, oh man, 200 brands and nonprofits, um, we're all activating in some way, shape or form. Um, you know, it's our tradition to be very active during the whole month of May for Mental Health Awareness Month. Mm. Um, so we're planning a couple of different virtual events. If you, you know, follow us on socials and keep updated um, on our website, you'll know like when to tune in. Um, and then at the end of the month, we're planning a socially distanced uh, concert and conversation event uh, where a couple of local musicians in Jacksonville will be playing and then we'll be um, interviewed by our, one of our local radio DJs in town about you know, the mental health aspect and the inspiration behind their music. So we're looking forward to some fun action in, uh, in May for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I forgot May is just around the corner. <laughs> I, it's wild. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> no, I know. I know. Oh, well, the best of luck and, you know, and so many amazing best wishes and, and, and positive vibes towards everything that you've got going on in the next few months. And I really appreciate your time today, Gabrielle. Thank you so much for coming on. I, I really think even another follow-up to this would be fantastic and to see where you've headed in a, you know, within a year would be amazing. So I'm sure there's going to be so much growth within that time as well for you and your and Stronger Than Stigma. So I, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. <laughs> Wonderful. We'll see you soon. for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health as well as our website revitalhealth.com.au for upcoming podcasts, workshops and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.